invite you to stand together as we look at a portion of God's Word together this morning from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Would you join with me as we read together? There's a season for everything and a time for every matter under the heavens, a time for giving birth and a time for dying, a time for planting and a time for uprooting what was planted. A time for killing and a time for healing. A time for tearing down and a time for building up. A time for crying and a time for laughing. A time for mourning and a time for dancing. A time for throwing stones and a time for gathering stones. A time for embracing and a time for avoiding embraces. A time for searching and a time for losing. A time for keeping and a time for throwing away, a time for tearing, and a time for repairing, a time for keeping silent, and a time for speaking, a time for loving, and a time for hating, a time for war, and a time for peace. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thank you. You may be seated. This passage acknowledges that life is a series of contrasts. Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes life is easy. Sometimes good things happen. Some things, sometimes bad things happen. Sometimes life requires being busy with lots of tasks. Sometimes life demands being still and resting. Your life and my life is a series of times. But what the the writer of Ecclesiastes wants us to understand most importantly is, is this, that whichever side of the equation we happen to be on at the moment, at on either side of the equation and everywhere in the middle, regardless of where we happen to be in life's realities at that moment, God is with us. God is our source, God is our strength, God is our foundation. And knowing that is what makes the difference between living our life with fear or living our life with faith. Our life is a series of times and how we respond to them. And though... There are many times that will come into life. There are pivotal, monumental times that stand out, that have a way of recalibrating and redirecting our life. It's those pivotal times that are on my mind as I stand here for the last time today. As a 22-year-old college student, Having just graduated from college, I had met the girl of my dreams. She was the most beautiful girl I'd ever seen in all the world. And I knew that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. And so, on a late afternoon, on a Saturday, near the end of July, 1977, I was standing behind a closed door 
that led to the sanctuary of the church. I knew that when I walked through that door, I was going to be a married man. And I'm excited, but I'm a nervous wreck. I'm, I'm an emotional jello. That's a mighty, mighty big deal. And as I'm pacing back and forth, the organist hits the, the, the music, the music starts. John Ed Matheson, the pastor at Fraser who married us, reaches out, he grabs the, the handle on that door. He looks at me, and he says, Stuart, it's time. My life's never been the same since. It's been far more wonderful. Hours before the birth of each of our three children, in those moments before that birth, Becky looked at me, and she, she rubs that huge pregnant stomach And she says, Stuart, it's time. And with that, we dropped everything else, and we loaded the car, and we drove to the hospital. That happened to us three times. And every time, God blessed us with some amazing little baby boys. Three of them. They have become, and they're all here today, they have become, each of them, wonderful, godly men who love their wives, who love their children, who love God, and are living lives that honor God. And I just want to say to Tucker and Kim and Tim and Sarah and Tyler and Jessica, you and these other boys are the greatest blessings that God has ever bestowed upon your mother and I. And we're so proud of each of you. Forty years ago, I enrolled as a student at Candler School of Theology to prepare for the ministry. Even before the first class session, I got a call from the district superintendent, and he said, Stuart, we're going to assign you as a student pastor. We're going to send you to Hollandville, Mount Zion. I'd never heard of Hollandville. I had to look it up on a map. It wasn't on a map. I mean, there was nothing there. We went to Hollandville, Mount Zion, two churches, and we had a great time there. And ever since, we've been privileged to serve some great, great churches across the conference. One of the highlights of our ministry was the opportunity to start a church, Mountain View United Methodist Church. That ended up being the name of the church. One of the first tasks when we gathered a group of people together was to name a church, name the church. And we were located on Trickham Road, and I thought, well, we could name it Trickham, United Methodist Church. But that doesn't sound too good. 
we had this beautiful view of Sweat Mountain. I thought, well, that, that's not very appealing. So we had a congregational vote. Everybody got to fill out a little blank sheet of paper, and we named the church Mountain View. And uh, it, it uh, has been uh, an amazing, amazing part of our life. And a lot, a lot of those Mountain View folks are here today. God bless you. I'm just so, I feel like I'm at my own funeral. Um, But friendships were formed there that enabled that to continue to to this day. Not every pastor wants to start a new church. Not every pastor gets that opportunity. And understandably, I understand why not everybody would want to do that. It was a a tremendous undertaking, but I wouldn't take anything for it. And and we, we had the privilege of being there for 14 years. And at the end of 14 years, the bishop calls and said, Stuart, it's time. You're a Methodist pastor. It's time. And I said, well, Bishop, I hate to disagree with you, but I don't believe it is time. <laughs> but you know what? I learned real quick that in the Methodist church, if the bishop, when the bishop says it's time, it's time. And so... That opened up, obviously, as God always does. God, when we go through, when, when God shuts one door, he opens another. And we had an opportunity to serve some amazing, wonderful churches at First Methodist Church at uh, Duluth and at Conyers and Smyrna. I know some of the Smyrna folks are, are here today. We had some wonderful times there. And then Sugarloaf United Methodist Church. And then for the last four years here at Noonan. And we have had the opportunity while we're here to be recipients of great love and support, and we are so grateful for that. And it has been a joy to serve among you. Now, after 40 years of ministry, Becky and I believe that we are at another one of those it's time moments. And after a lot of thought and prayer and reflection, we've come to discern that it's time for us to transition into that season of life known as retirement. Now, even though retirement is the official title, we both know that there's still a lot to do. We don't know what that's going to be. But we're seeking God's direction, we're seeking God's will, and uh, I'm believing and trusting that, that God will provide the information and the path of where he wants us to be. But one thing is certain. We know in our hearts it's time. It's time for my wife and I to sit together in a worship service and worship as a couple. That may not sound like a big deal to a lot of folks, but that is a blessing I can't wait to to anticipate because that's not an opportunity we've had on a regular basis. It's time for me to spend more time as a husband instead of a pastor. I've got to say, Becky has been and continues to be an amazing partner in ministry. And she has been a pivotal part of of anything that, that I've done, we've done together. And whether it was 
uh, leading a ladies' night out banquet in our various churches, or whether it was overseeing a Bethlehem walk which drew tens of thousands of people across the metro area every Christmas to relive the birth of Jesus, or whether it was just an opportunity for her to seek out a one-on-one conversation with a parishioner who had a was at a point of need and needed some wise counsel. In and through it all, she has been an amazing partner whose creativity, whose effectiveness, whose boldness has, in most cases, outshadowed mine. And it is time, it is time for me to thank her. It's time to spend more time with my children and my grandchildren, an activity that has been in too short supply. Boys, it's time to go to more baseball games and less church meetings. Man. (laughs) It's time to make up for all the lost time with family due to the demands of ministry. And I don't want to take too much time on this, but uh, whatever you do, love and support not just your pastor, but your pastor's spouse, your, your pastor's kids. The cost of ministry on a pastor's family is enormous. And sometimes it happens in the shadows and is never seen. But in many ways, the sacrifice they make exceeds the sacrifice that a pastor makes. It's time for me to spend more time there. It's time for me to love my pastor, whoever that's going to be, to pray for them and to pray with them and to encourage them to be bold and faithful even in the face of criticism that, is, that they're sure to experience. It's time for me to thank the people, the the laity, the church members, the staff who've all been a part of this journey of ministry that we have hopefully done together because I learned a long time ago that that, that a pastor himself or herself cannot, cannot effectively lead a church to realize its potential for ministry. That only happens when there are laity whose hearts burn with love for God and who have a passion for for sharing God's word and who love deeply the church, the body of Christ. It's only when you got the laity doing that and partnering with with a pastor that that the church is able to be anywhere close to what it needs to be. And and I want to thank all of the staff and all of the laity who have been a part of that. All my ministry, I've sought to be an agent of change and renewal in the church. To challenge the church to stretch and to grow and to constantly be looking for ways to to do ministry better. Because the mission before us is too great for mediocrity. It's too great to just do the same things over and over we've always done. The mission before us is so great that there needs to be within us as the church a commitment to innovation and creativity and a boldness to find new and effective ways of telling the story of Jesus. Because the mission is so important. We have to excel. We must have an openness to the work of the Holy Spirit. 
And so I feel compelled this morning in my last opportunity to pulpit, just to end my ministry, encouraging us to recognize certain things as the church. It's time for the church to realize that though our influence in American culture is waning, our message is more important today than it has ever been in any of our lifetime. It is needed. In many ways, I look at our country, and and my heart breaks because in so many ways, we seem as a country, we seem to be broken. We seem to be broken politically. We seem to be broken socially. We seem to be broken morally. There needs to be someone to stand in the middle of all of that chaos and be salt and light. To let the world know there's a better way to live and and relate to one another and to, to come together around a common purpose and theme, and that is the truth of Jesus Christ. If the church is not going to do that, who is? It's time for the church to ask itself, if our influence is waning, what do we need to do to be more effective? What do we need to change? What do we need to hold on to? What keeps us from asking those questions? The time to ask those questions is slipping away because fewer and fewer people in this country today see any relevance in our message or any reason to visit our churches. It's sad for me to say that, but it's naive to ignore that. It's time for the local church to realize that what we need most today are not some new strategies for growth, but a heightened sense of the tragedy that there are people who don't know Jesus. It's time for us to realize that though our stained glass windows make our sanctuary beautiful, it is our witness to the stain, the blood-stained cross of Christ that opens windows into the hearts of people that can change the world. It's time for the church to stop molding to the culture around it. And once again, be a means of transforming the world into bringing about the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. It's time for me to stop and sit down. Because if I don't, we'd be here all day. So let me close with this. What is it time for you to do today?
If life is a series of times, are you in one of those that God is wanting you to do something or accomplish something? It's time. For some of us, it may be it's time to confess some sin that is interfering with our capacity to live a joyful life in the grace of God. For some of us, it may be it's time to commit ourselves to greater service in the life of the church. For some of us, it might be acknowledging it's time to let go of some, let go of some animosity or, or hostility that we've held on toward another person, and it's time to forgive. It's time to let go of some anger that we've held on to. Maybe for some of us, it's time to deepen our spiritual life. What is it? Are you at a, one of those pivotal times where God is wanting you to do something? If God is wanting you to do, is wanting to do some work in you, and you've been putting it off, this just might be today his way of saying to you, it's time. If it is time, don't let it pass you by. Do whatever it is that you believe God is calling you to do. It's time for me to say goodbye. We love you. We thank you for all that you've done. And we continue to seek your prayers as God prepares us for what lies ahead, whatever that happens to be. Let's pray together. Oh God, I thank you for the privilege it's been to serve your church. And oh God, represented in this room are persons from many of those congregations and what a blessing it is. And what a reminder it is to me and hopefully all of us, Father, that through our bond with Jesus Christ, we are bound to one another. We don't live our lives independently. But, but we need one another, and we draw strength from one another. And it is when we are sharing life with one another that we as your church are most effective. And it is when we are sharing life with one another that we as individual believers live with greater joy and purpose. So God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this church. We thank you for your church universal, and pray that each day we'll seek to be all that you call us to be. In the name and spirit of Christ, we pray. Amen.